0: This is Thrive Perspectives, an ever-growing discussion about the issues and ideas that shape our lives, with your guide, Dr. Matthew Jacoby.
1: Well, good morning, Connell. Good morning, Matt.
0: Great to be back in the studio again. Likewise, uh, Stu. uh, Yeah. I'm just turning off my phone so that I don't get any random phone calls. Yeah, Uh, appreciate that. So, you know, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Uh (laughs) I don't think people want to hear uh, me on the phone, uh, you know. No, yeah. probably not.
1: Yeah, welcome. Good to have you here. Connell, your phone's off, is it? Yep. it's this, off. Yeah. Yep. Thank no, no and your one, watch and your no one calls me pacemaker anyway. and everything. <laughs> yeah, that's right, no one calls me either. <laughs> and certainly not random people anyway, but yeah. uh anyway, there we go. Great to have you with us listeners. We continue our perspective series on Worldview. And we have just had a half an hour. Discussion before we start the podcast. <laughs> so I, fasten your seatbelts. I think this is going to be a very interesting and engaging and and encouraging uh, conversation for you guys today, Matt. We are going to be looking at the uniqueness, really, of the Christian faith.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, all and and the status of, uh, I guess, the assertions uh, that come from other directions outside and yep. and how how we can talk about the Christian faith and relate that to the things that other people believe. Yeah, great. One of the concerns uh, that I have is that in our very valid uh, assertion around the uniqueness of Christ, and we do want to emphasize uh, the uniqueness of Christ, uh, we can also fall into the error of thinking that Christianity has a monopoly on truth, like blanket monopoly on truth, so that nothing that anyone else ever says is true, right? And that, even from a biblical point of view, as we'll as we'll show, is is, is not the case. And the classic example uh, is in Acts seventeen. You know, Paul uh, when he goes to Athens, you know, and and he finds the things that he can build on and agree with, I mean, he even quotes from statements, uh, particular statements that Stoic poets have made, and he he takes those quotes and he says, "Well, yes, this is," you know, he's saying. This is true, but let me build on this now. And and this is a a standard principle of mission that has been practiced, you know, for hundreds of years. Essentially, is to actually find the things that. You can agree with and and build bridges to in a sense. Mm. What, what is the ground in the other worldview that you can build a bridge to, mm. and and bring Jesus to that? And uh, there is always something because there is a universal human intuition, and while, uh, and and we we will talk a little bit about the innate knowledge as well, and and that that the you know, creation distributed witnesses. across the, yeah. yeah that's yeah, right that whole distri- kind of. distributed across the human heart and so yeah. forth and so this is this has a a practical point and for me i find this really useful to actually not just be combative all the time uh like only i know the truth and you know nothing actually uh, a wonderful part of being a witness to the faith isn't it's not just us preaching at people but listening actually to them and listening to their concerns and they might be valid concerns right oh, about yeah. the world and a feel you know the sense that man something's broken there's something wrong and and well that's true, true. i mean yeah. you know, like and and i think this is so important in our particular context because we're very much in a post christendom context and so there are a large variety of belief systems and often people aren't don't really even consciously form necessarily their own belief system no. but they they do, by default, believe a lot of things that are actually in agreement with the Christian worldview. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And rather than going out combatively, you know, we should apply that mission principle of yeah. listening. And what, what do you think? And, and, and validating the elements of truth in that, but bringing this wonderful witness to Jesus Christ into that space.
1: Conversely, can I say, I think there's a lot of people who actually don't know the values of the Christian faith. Mm. Mm. And so I haven't formed an opinion because I think perhaps for too long they've heard a lot about what the church is against, or yeah, what Christianity that's right. is against, yeah. and not what Christianity is for. Yeah, and right. so there's an element of us actually going out there and talking about what we, what yeah. we do or, believe. Or it's and,
2: been straw manned a lot as yes, well. Yes, totally. Most yeah. people don't understand the nuance of, of what it is that we actually believe, so they Kind of erect their own version. That's right of it, which is easy to knock over. It's not a the Jesus that they understand and Christianity isn't really a Jesus that they want to follow.
0: So, you know, I mean, the damaging thing in that is that perpetual combative stance. Yeah, yes, that, totally. That we, you know, we act like we have, you know, like they know nothing and we know mm. everything. Mm. Um, and even as as an age old mission principle it's not a, mm. it, it's it's not wise it's not even really the, the way that things are and and i think particularly in our time there are lots of valid concerns that people have that are valid and that we can build to you know mm. even you know take the you know the concern around uh, around the environment and climate change and whatever you think about that the concern that as human beings we've messed up the world how can we say no to that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, theologically, right. totally. Uh, it's like even with all of the science aside and whatever, you know, actually there's a there's a field theo- as a fundamental theological truth to that. So don't go combatively into that situation. Say, well, no, actually, you're you this you a- a- absolutely right. We as human beings, we live discordantly with with mm-hmm. our environment, and you know, I believe that's because we first of all live discordantly with, with God. Grade. You know, yeah. and uh, and this is, you know, this is really the central aspect of the Christian message, is bringing reconcil- reconciliation with God that flows down mm. to these other relationships. And so, you know, in in this sense, all concerns lead to Jesus. Mm. All concerns that people have yeah. so uh, lead to Jesus. You'd, you'd to almost Jesus. say
2: that Christianity is, or, well, if you we, if we actually look at the whole body of thinking that's in the religions all over the world, well, I think there's like literally thousands of them. And mm. I think most of them recognize the same sort of core problem, yeah. although there is a problem. They all yeah, recognize right. there is a problem. There's some sort of gap <clears> between <throat> the state that we're in now and where we're actually meant yeah. to be, and how they describe that is all com- all completely different. And then they've all got different processes and how to fix it. Where Christianity is almost like bringing another light, and I think this is the uniqueness of it. It brings a unique light that, as far as what I know about other world religions, I don't think there's anything like the uniqueness of the light mm. and the solution to the the predicament that is mm. described in those uh, other religions, the journey yeah. that we're supposed to take, and so it shouldn't be any surprise at all that other world religions, the similarities across yeah. them all, because that almost testifies to the truth of the, problem. Of, the of the of the problem. Yeah, like if we we're all saying completely different things, then mm. that would be that would carry less weight than the fact that we. All as a collective humanity understand that there is a, there is a problem. So then the light is well, what do we do about it? And there's a whole myriad of, of thousands of different solutions out there. Yeah. And that's where I think Christianity stands unique in that the solution that is
1: presented is a completely different framework. Yeah, than yeah is. that's right. And that, let me just include in that, though, because we're talking about religions, yeah. obviously, of the world, but I think also from an atheist point of view, they would say that our politics and progress is their way of solving those those
0: problems. Yeah, so, I mean, what, what you're saying is true as well of systems of yeah. philosophy. Yeah, like totally. they're Often the diagnosis of or, or the sense that there's something yeah. wrong is often very right. valid. I mean... Yeah, there's always something there that we can, you know, we can build a bridge to. Let let me give an example of a conversation Mm -hmm. recently, and then and then I want to jump into the foundations and talk about this idea of innate, you know, innate knowledge and 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 so forth. Recent conversation, you know, with someone that was asking previously, read a lot of in Buddhism, for example, it was quite, you know, read a lot of stuff in, in in that, and and asking, you know, questions about the Christian faith and. Uh, You know, first of all, there's this idea in in Buddhism that what we take to be ourself is a fundamental delusion, right? Uh And to me... I, I I actually really agree with that Buddhist – that aspect of that Buddhist teaching. Well, we've talked about that. Yeah, we've What's talked about false, that. Yeah, the false the, self. And, and, yeah. Because there's an intuition in that, that there's something fundamentally false about our identity mm. as human beings. Now, you know, the Buddhist teaching of Anatta goes – and that's the, the title of that particular teaching – goes a step further and says, well, there is no self at all. There is only a kind of void, in, in a sense. And, and no, I, I – disagree with that. And I think even that goes against the intuition. I mean, you know, when we love uh, our children, we I don't think any of us think that there's just a void of identity. No, I think oh. there's something very real there. And, and so I made that, you know, I made that argument. And because I don't think that that the sort of detachment theory uh, right. there, you know, detached from it. I, like I get that that may uh, prevent you from certain forms of suffering, but actually there is a sacrifice in love. And so this, you know, the conversation goes in, in that direction and yeah. and that even God – Love for us involved a sacrifice, and you know. So again, I mean, this is all roads lead yeah. to Jesus. Yeah. But the fundamental falsehood of the self. Uh, again, there's there's a intuition there about the human condition. Another a question that came: up, well, what about you know? I reckon there's something about incarnation. You know what? What, what do you th- you know? Do Christians believe in incarnation? And rather than saying no, no, we, d-, I said, well, yeah, in a way, you mean uh,
1: reincarnation?
0: Re- reincarnation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, reincarnation. Yeah. Right. So rather than saying. Blanket no, Because in a way, the Christian doctrine of resurrection is a reincarnation, yes. one sense. Except, as I explained, in the doctrine of um, samsara, there's this idea that you go through these cycles, right? Mm, yeah. and, and you gradually work your way up, right? If you live in the next life, you do better then you go up to the next level and if you do better in that or if you do worse you fall below and i said actually uh that doctrine of karma that's that's part of that is valid in the sense that justice declares that we do reap what we sowed so again i'm building on a on a truth there there's something mm-hmm. in the in the karma doctrine that is absolutely valid it is true uh each person uh justice, you know, Mm -hmm. says we we reap what we sow. That's a biblical quote. You know, Paul says that. Mm -hmm. However, the good news is is that Jesus actually reaped what we sowed in our place. That's the whole point of the Christian message. Yeah. And so the there's no need for that cycle of constant, you know, uh, reincarnations in order to get uh, to the final stage. I, I said, because of what Jesus has done, uh, we are resurrected to eternal life in a new creation. And, and so there's just the one yeah. <laughs> reincarnation. And by the way, we call it resurrection. Yeah. So you see, that's an example of a conversation where where rather than being combative, I'm actually building on mm-hmm. something that is already understood, but giving the, the, the unique Christian yeah. uh, perspective on, yeah. uh, so on that.
2: Reincarnations reincarnation is almost just coming from that innate Sense that we will live eternally.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, in in a way, it is, and it's also although Buddhists would reject <clears throat> the eternal soul idea, they they
1: reject that. It's just yeah. reincarnation. But it's it's a, yeah. a constant yes. continuity. But it never ends. Basically,
2: of never. It's, it's there's life beyond. Yeah, this one. It's innate yeah. within us. A sense that it it can't.
0: Yeah, and and I guess stop. Yeah, in some cases, the way that other religions have worked some of this stuff out, it makes in the absence of any other form of revelation it's it's it makes sense it's mm. just deductive thinking so for example the idea in hinduism is that you know when we die we get absorbed back into brahman right in which mm-hmm. is this sort of um, you know they have this kind of pantheistic view that uh, that everything is brahman you know everything is god and 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 when we die we get absorbed back their observation is that when we die like we you know, we decompose and we become part of the ground and part of, you know, and so there's this sense in which we, you know, even visually, we we seem to get absorbed back into the natural world and, you know, uh, you plant a tree on top of us and suddenly we're part of the tree and we're, you know, so it kind of makes sense. But again, we bring a perspective to that because, you know, God has created each of us unique with a unique identity and that's validated mm-hmm. that you know brings a different perspective to that so you know i think some of the things that people believe they've just in the absence of any other information they've just deduced that from certain uh, certain things and and yeah. but the first principles the initial as you say the initial intuition yeah. that this things infinite right. sacred yeah. thing that i am surely this lives on you yeah. know because yeah. there's yeah. this sense of infinite mm-hmm. sacred worth in our you know in ourselves and and that is a- absolutely true and the sense that we are made to live on in some sense, that part of it is, you know, is valid and true. And so we can build, you know, a bridge to that. Ecclesiastes 3.11, you know, he's put eternity in their hearts. That's right. You know, so everyone in
1: creation has eternity in their hearts. Yeah.
0: And, you know, and this is an interesting thing. I mean, I've, you know, gone through stages where I've, you know, read – uh, the stories of missionaries, you know, famous missionaries who went out into different situations, particularly first contact missionaries have always been interested in that. And it's interesting the way that they they find things in the beliefs of those people and how that is so true. In fact, there's a book by yeah, that title. it's their
1: was a great book. Well worth a read for sure.
0: And and again it's it's that you know that they discovered that there were certain things that they already believed that were just so true and that they could readily build upon. You know, and often often the thing that people already believe actually makes them desirous, even of what Jesus actually has to offer. It's like there's almost preparation there mm. uh, for the gospel. I mean, this is what in in the first century, the you know a lot of the church fathers in the early church they they believed that the work of the philosophers like uh, Plato and Aristotle really they believed prepared the way for the gospel. Because you know Plato believed in a in a creator god and and ultimate sense that there is some ultimate objective truth out there and all these sorts of things and and a lot of the early church fathers believed that this was God's providence preparing the way. Uh, For in the Roman Empire for uh, for the gospel. And well, I mean, I think there's some validity to that. You know, I was listening, listening to story of uh, missionaries in India who found in various forms of Hinduism, things that they could really build on. And and I just this repeated stories of this sort of thing.
1: Yeah, and, and in light of this conversation, I think it'd be good to actually reference that book, because it's a really good book, Eternity in in Their Hearts. It's by a guy called Don Richards, and it's startling evidence of belief in the one true God in hundreds of cultures throughout the world. As these people go, yeah, as you say, yeah. into cultures they have never heard, yeah, uh, and they re- recognize
0: Yeah, and I think he was a, missionar- he was, uh, he was yeah. a missionary, yeah. evangelical missionary. So. Yes. Yeah, let's go back to the foundations, though. I think is always a good way to build this up because you know we're talking about worldview, mm. and if we go to Romans chapter one, you know Paul recognises um, he says uh, in a verse. 19 in Romans chapter 1, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature uh, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, he says, mm. although yeah. they knew God, yeah. uh, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. So he he validates the fact that there is this recognition of God, and and we might say this something innate within us that does recognize, you know, because we can read this and think in terms of, you know, that they deduced arguments for the existence of God based on the, you know, on the design in nature. or No, it's actually... I think he's talking about something more like a direct recognition, a direct sort of knowledge uh, Mm. of God. And and because in chapter 2, he goes on to say, uh, in verse 14 of chapter 2, he says, Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness, and their thoughts sometimes accusing them and at other times defending them there's the assertion of a kind of innate truth. And so uh, there's this sort of innate sense of God, of course, you know, written into our being because we are created by God. And mm-hmm. so th- there is this sort of innate knowledge of God. But what Paul says is that he goes on to say that, you know, we suppress that knowledge because we want to be gods, you know, we we, we want to be the gods of our own lives. And mm-hmm. so in a sense we push away that uh, you know that that knowledge. We almost
2: suppress it by then trying to impose an explanation on onto it, which is the how, yeah, how our own we, explanation. How do we yeah, deal yeah. with it? And this is probably, I guess, where yeah. all of the, the different religions, religions, and 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 philosophies and things like that across the world, it all comes from because we want it. we, we recognise we've got to deal with this some way. And yeah. so therefore we've got to impose some explanation yeah, that's right. on yep. all of those on all of those things.
0: Yeah, and so he says here but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened although they claimed to be wise they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal god for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles and and so you know they created gods in a sense yep. because as sovereign god it was just too imposing in a sense essentially that's that's what he's saying and so putting together another uh, you know some other pieces here because we also believe in a spiritual world and we've talked about this uh before that there are there are spiritual there exist spiritual beings in a spiritual world and you know we've also talked about uh, a fall within that spiritual world, and so there are these rebellious, uh, perhaps we can call them demonic beings uh, that that inhabit this spiritual world. Paul, in Ephesians chapter six, says, "You know, battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the yeah. principalities and powers and the forces of evil in the heavenly realms." He's talking about this this sort of spiritual demonic mm. uh, beings. So, you know, when when human beings came came out from under God in a sense, we were left to be plundered, as it were, and oppressed by these spiritual beings. beings. And in a way, that may well be behind the creation of these gods, because in a sense, these spiritual beings masquerade as God, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as, as false gods. And, and that may um there's some indication that this may be the origin of idolatry even and you, you know so uh, all of the different gods of mesopotamia and you, you know asher and baal and all of these and and while the while the idols are nothing they're not you know as consistently the prophet said you know they can't speak or see or they're yeah. just nothing there's no power to them that they, yeah. they are nothing but it doesn't necessarily deny that there are spiritual entities in some sense, behind yep. that, that are deceiving mm-hmm. and at work. I mean, well, the very fact that you're
1: not worshiping the one true God <clears throat> is a sense of spiritual, yeah, spiritual, that yeah, that's spiritual right. attack. In yeah. a sense, it's, it's like the enemy saying, "Great, I don't care who you worship, as long as it's not him." Yeah, yeah, that's right. In a sense, but isn't this where the combative part of it comes from as well? Because it is presented
2: that way in the Bible, as, as if these are the enemies of God, these false gods, mm. and these are the things that need to be are going to be defeated and hmm. they they were held up as examples all through scripture as being the the enemy of god yeah. so we could take that and go well that's all these false all these false religions are the enemy of god and therefore we need to defeat them but they're equally the enemy
0: of people and, uh, yes yeah. and they and, and in a sense in one way or another what false religion does is that it takes the truth And it twists it so as to bind people. A a lie has to utilize something that is intuitively true within us in order to deceive us. It has to appeal to some innate sense of truth within us. And this is the deceptiveness of of deception. So in recognizing the falsehood, we don't need to deny that every aspect of a religion is false because – Uh, The power of the falsehood is precisely the fact that it's a twisted Mm -hmm. truth, right? So what we can actually do is appeal to the elements of truth, right, and turn them the right way up. That's essentially what what Christian, you know, witness uh, is doing. Because uh, it is – and I know we live in a time where, you know, we say – you know, oh, we should just let people, you know, observe their, and don't enforce our faith on other people. And, and, and there's this opposition to this idea of proselytizing, you know, because, you know, people want to preserve religious diversity. And, and, and now the problem is, is that these false religions, they really do actually keep people bound. Yeah. In belief systems that that are destructive, which is why they actually do need to replace. So let's let's just underscore this: this we don't go. You know, I oh, will leave them to believe. I'll believe what I believe. And we'll leave them to believe what they believe. Even take take the biggest NGO in the world, World Vision. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've you know I've been to India with with World Vision, and and they're looking, you know, to to really bring change. Now I've only visited them uh, in India, but they recognised in in their uh, the, the training that I you know I, I was went to a training seminar that they did there and and the head of world vision in uh, in India Jayakuma Christian has written a book about this as well where he says you cannot release people from poverty until you release them from the thought systems or, or the the strongholds that actually keep them bound in poverty yeah. and he says there are spiritual webs right that mm. unless you break that over their lives and tell them, no, that's not true. You are not paying for your past sins. You are not locked in this caste. You yeah. are not yeah. you actually have to, have to I mean I know it's all very well for us in our Western world to sit back and say, oh don't no, you should preserve the beliefs of other people. No, as a matter of fact, those belief systems keep people in subjection. You know, you know, I've come back from from Africa a number of months ago and all over the place there, there is there are these signs for witch doctors and you know that make money off telling people that which perhaps is partly true there's a curse on your life, and I can lift that curse and and I mean in some parts of africa there there are such extremes that people have to go to lift curses off their children, even giving over their children to yeah. uh, you know to the witch doctors and so forth there are There are really destructive belief systems out there and and people need to be released from yeah. those. And I may say, you know, a very popular one in the Western world, the, the Buddhist uh, belief system. I think it's a problem for you to think that you are just a void of being, like that. just a belief in, in the sort of void. E- even the view of detachment from, from things, and there's an element of validity to that. But add the Christian story to that as an explanation for that intuition that things are really wrong. And I think it's a very release. It, it brings something wonderful to that initial intuition. And I think it's needed. Yeah. I think Buddhists need to hear about Jesus. Yeah. And and it's not, you know, and, and I know, you know, as Christians, we'll, we'll be accused of, you know, being arrogant or you're just, let's yeah. be clear, we're not forcing our beliefs yeah. on, on everyone. But we are bringing good news and mm. invitation mm. actually to be released from the terror of karma cycles and samsara and and these ideas you know from the inevitability of karma Jesus bears our bad karma or or, or you know he he reaps what we i mean yeah. there is good news here yeah. for, for you know for these people and we should be bold uh about that but not in a way that that is always combative about what they uh, yeah. believe it's interesting coming back to that word combative because it's it's it's
2: what do we what do we do with it because we we could think of it as as our response to other religions as seeing that we've actually got to win against them, yeah, there's a battle to be fought there and and actually viewing someone who's following another religion as our enemy yeah. and we we have to. Defeat them with our uh, religion to bring them across to yeah. to what we believe. So yeah. there's, there's that sense of combativeness. Where I think what you're saying there, Matt, is that there's actually what we need to do is recognise. Well, firstly, the, the combative part is probably at a spiritual yeah. level, not not the, the person's person, not the enemy, yeah. but yes. there is a commonality that if we look at the model in the New, in the New Testament when the apostles went out and spoke, mm. uh, how they actually went out in mission and you know spoke to yeah. Um and spread the spread the gospel. Mm. They did it starting from the point of recognizing that there are sort of hooks into those religions, yeah, and the ideas that we can actually build on because mm. they actually speak to a mm. a, a truth. Mm. And I think the other thing is, there we are making an exclusive claim in Christianity mm. that there's an exclusivity in, that all other religions are are wrong, and Christianity is the only true religion now where people would grab I I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it quite I wouldn't put it it like that I was going to say they're wrong but not everything that they say is completely wrong so we're all struggling with the same sort of set of problems but there's like a revelation that is in Christianity that we shine a light on those problems that that is the actual true revelation of of how we fix those problems and that's why otherwise you end up in, in in sort of saying well we shouldn't you know evangelize people in other religions where they should be allowed to 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 yep. remain in their their ideas because there's this truth, and it all becomes really vague. I think we are still making the claim that the only true revelation in what to do about that. It's found in Christianity. Yeah, so
0: that's so that's the key. Yeah. That's the key point. And okay. and I because I think you know we need to be shrewd here. We're on mission, right? Mm. So this is you know you know I, I don't think we want to go out saying all other religions are wrong. We want to do what Paul does in in Acts seventeen. Yeah. and say I see you're a very religious people, and and to validate the various various aspects of those intuitive beliefs that are correct. Because to go back to what I said before, there is this innate sense of right and wrong and of, of the existence of god and and that is expressed in different ways and so what uh, in, you're in saying all is in all religions
1: there's an element of truth in yeah. every lie you, you kind of said in yeah, a sense right. that, yeah. to make that lie so in every of one of these religions there is an element of truth yeah. that we can start from yeah to build the bridge that's out. right but
0: they do need to be released from yeah. those yeah. from those life. religions because re- religions are strongholds yeah. Uh, that keep people striving and trying to achieve something, mm. and it actually is fundamentally destructive to their humanity. You know, and and perhaps more or less, more in some than others. Perhaps we could say that. You know, I mean, also some people observe some aspects of some religions and not other aspects, but you know, as a broad thing, people do need to be released from that. But here's here's the other thing that we need to keep in mind. We we refer in theologically we refer to that general knowledge of God as general revelation. That's the theological term. There's the recognition that although they knew God, right? There's there's a sense mm. of of um, that. There's there's in a sense there's no credit uh, for that. Uh, the problem is that people are alienated from God. There's a gulf, and everyone's trying to deal with that they still want to live the way that they want to live but at the same it's like have their cake and eat it mm-hmm. i still want to be the god of my own life but i do want to deal with this conscience problem that i have and so there there are conflicting elements in in the hearts of people you know on the one hand they want to live the way that they want to live as mm-hmm. paul says but on the other hand there's this conscience issue there's a tension there and the gospel speaks to that tension right powerfully to that tension but while it speaks to that tension the solution the solution that we present, while I've said everything else is intuitive, the solution is profoundly counterintuitive. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. it, right. Yep. See, it's intuitive that I must reap what I sow. It is not intuitive that God would inhabit humanity, suffer and die on a cross for our sins. Mm-hmm. So I could not reap what that's completely counterintuitive, right? So Your reason won't tell you the gospel. Mm. Your intuition won't tell you the good news. Mm. This has to come from what's known as special revelation. So this is why the message is so important and why it takes a work of the Holy Spirit to get that through to a person's heart, because it's not rational. Mm. I mean, it's not irrational because God is God and uh, God created humanity. And the fact that God would then inhabit a humanity that he created, particularly a humanity to that is was created to reflect his image, uh, that God, for God to inhabit that humanity, I mean, there's nothing irrational about that. And yet it's not something we would work out, right? Because yep. it's, it's something that God has done. It's part of the story. It's not like there's no necessity in that on God's part, but it's something that God did. And We have good news about things that God actually did. This is not just theories, but things that God actually did in history, that he came to us in Jesus Christ. He suffered and died on a cross. He rose again from the dead. That's something that happened in history, and and we have good news. And because of that— There is the opportunity to be released from these strongholds and to be reconciled with God and to have one's life transformed. Now that again is something we can actually experience. It's not a change in theory. Oh, now I used to believe this, but now I believe that. No, no, you used to be that. Now you can actually become this. It's it's the there's actually transforming power, and that's the difference. This isn't just like theory. Uh, And on the basis of, of that theory, we strive with certain religious actions no we can actually become completely different people mm-hmm. as a result of this mm-hmm. and I have seen this again and again and again I, I've you know in the situations that I mentioned and it was interesting in uh, in India the world Vision team there recognized that the people that really change and not only the change in terms of being able to emerge from poverty but also become change agents, in their communities are those that accept the message the message of Jesus that are released from that stronghold whose lives are transformed people see that their lives are transformed mm. and they say what is what on earth has happened to that mm. <laughs> you mm. know they, they they become a light in their community because people see that something has actually happened yeah, right. to them they're observing a miracle in the transformation of a person I
2: believe that totally but I would put something else up here, and I'd say, um, when we're talking about uniqueness of Christianity, many would argue that there's a transformation that happens with people in other religions. Mm. You know, they can uh, take on board a, a completely yeah. uh, different uh, religious system, and it actually improves their life and makes mm. them, at least certainly on the outside, seem a lot better off mm. them, what what they were before. Mm. So many on the, the skeptical side yeah, yeah. would go, "Well, that's not necessarily a unique claim of Christianity." And we're mm. obviously biased because that's the side yeah. that we come from. But I yeah. think people from other religions would argue and certainly mount evidence to say that, "Well, that's the same, the same for us." Mm. And I'm thinking, in terms of uniqueness of Christianity, well, one of the arguments that atheists make against mm. Christianity or any any religion is there's literally thousands of religions. Yeah. So the chance of them being true, it's almost nil because mm. there's so many of them, you know, you just pick which one you want. You know, what makes anyone even claim that yeah. theirs is true mm. and all the others are false? You have to believe your one is true and all thousands of others are false. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I, that's not necessarily a good claim to make because I would expect that there would be one that was true and all yeah. the others were false. Yeah. But I think there is a uniqueness in Christianity that's carried me through in times of doubt when I've struggled mm. you know, with my faith. And when I've actually looked at, looked at different religious ideas and trying to figure out what's true and whatnot, one of the things that's really strikes me about Christianity is it is actually unique in the framework that mm. when I look at all other religions at least that I know about, yeah. there's a framework that they operate in. Mm. We've got a problem, whether it's with God or it's a state that we're in that is a less mm. desirable state and we need to get to a better, a better place. Yeah. And the method to do that is to give you some sort of prescription and some sort of process that you have to go through in order to climb into a better state. That framework pretty much fits every religious idea. That, yeah, it that's does out there. Yeah. But to me, the framework of Christianity is very different. It's upside down, it's counterintuitive. Mm. It's not what I would come up with if I was going to create everything. And that's
0: that's a key point. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So going back to what you said before, the way that we think and understand the world, it does affect our lives. So it we can readily admit by someone say changing their religion or adopting a religion, that obviously is going to have some kind of life change. Mm, yeah. The question is, is it going to have the right kind of life change? So a Buddhist will perhaps be more accepting or, or um, perhaps detach a bit more and, and be able to cope with the tools that, you know, with those particular tools that they may cope better. You know, I heard an interview with, uh, a, you know, a celebrity about Scientology, you know, and, you know, he said, well, uh, it's given me the tools that I need to live a happy life. Uh, And so it's made a difference to me. So that's why that was his defense. But, you know, again, who said that that's the ultimate? (laughs) Like, I mean, in in one sense, yes, happiness is important. But, uh, you know, my my example that I used about my experiences, you know, with World Vision in India, and I've been over three times, and they would say, and and there's a lot of different religions uh, at work in the communities that they worked with, they would say that the gospel is the only message that will actually set these people free. Everything else just keeps them in their place. It, it, it maybe it gives them tools to better cope with it. Be, be, better cope with it, right? Yeah. But in terms of actually changing their lives and, and helping them emerge from that. Uh, now, I mean, someone might say, well, wouldn't like secular humanism uh, would do that too? You know the equality of all people, and and you know getting rid of all religions altogether. And so, a secular humanist perhaps would make that argument, but I would say that stepping into a worldview that says that life is essentially doesn't doesn't have any ultimate meaning or transcendent value, mm. I would say or, yeah. uh, that's not yeah. really a good goal. So yeah. yes, yes, that might change. That going from say Hinduism to secular humanism, that's going to make a difference to someone, but does it make the right sort of difference? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say yeah. no.
2: So. So what is it then that's fundamentally unique, that framework that I mentioned? Because yeah. there's obviously something then in the idea of Christianity, the thinking, the philosophy, the worldview, whatever you want to put on it, that framework on which all those ideas kind of hang off. What yeah. is it then that is there something unique in that? Or is it just the same as all the other religions? It's just true. So it actually happens to have some power in it. I think it's that's true. Like obviously, it's mm. true. So it obviously has power in it. Yeah. But I think it's also, in terms of that framework, it completely flips the switch on everything. Yeah. That we we in, intrinsically kind yeah. of think it's a it's a different perspective. Yep. It's a completely different perspective yeah. on how we view the problem.
0: Let me give a a simplistic answer, and yep. then perhaps we can we we can adjust this as as we go perhaps we can say that in in a way you know religions are this sort of bottom up thing it's us yeah. because we have this very strong need for meaning uh because there is a meaning to life and we have the intuition that there is an ultimate uh meaning and there's this we have this spiritual aspect to it there's so many you know all of this innate stuff right so you know, as a result, we we are religious creatures. We're going to build a religion in the absence, in the vacuum. Let's put it that way. Yeah. We're going to build something up, and um, well, spiritual creatures. Yeah, spiritual, and and I guess can. I guess the thing that a lot of religions have in common is this bottom-up kind of yeah. thing. You know, it's it's very much not only are we building uh, a worldview from the bottom up. Our solution to the problems that we innately feel—the th- the sense that things aren't right—is also bottom up. In that there are things that we need to actually do uh, to to make things right. Uh, you know, we we need to get ourselves back. Into the right state, whereas the uniqueness, and and again, I'm putting this uh, simply, the uniqueness of the Christian message is that God comes to us, mm. and and not in the way that say Krishna or or you know various incarnations of Brahma or Vishnu or whatever you know come in, that the one true God uh, not only. Comes to us, but actually comes to provide a way of reconciliation with himself at his own expense.
2: The other part to it is it removes us from the picture in terms of there is no ladder to climb. Like it's actually, if you look at every other religion in the framework that they provide, it is man having it within themselves to do this and do this and do this and do this. And And then, then by doing that, in some way, they achieve some kind of right standing before God or whatever yeah. it is that they want to ascribe that to. In Christianity, it actually takes man out of the picture. I know there's we need to respond to God, yeah. but the ability for us to reconcile and become righteous before God, we're incapable of doing right. that. Yeah. So it's it actually doesn't elevate man in that framework, we, we actually can't we can't do it on our right. Yeah. And then it turns around and actually says God, instead of like in a man made religion, I would put God way up above us in some sort of impersonal sense mm. and a sense of man striving to get to God. Mm. In Christianity we actually have God not just coming down to us as a servant. Mm. And allowing. You
0: yeah, know. you mean Jesus becoming the. the yeah. serving us. Yeah, yeah it, serving us. And oh, actually. He suffers from the worst suffers. of evils to, in a sense, absorb that into yeah. himself and pay for that.
2: And, and pay for it as a. It makes himself. a sacrifice. A, a, That's a sacrifice, right. yeah. yeah. Where if I was creating a God, I'd want the God to be victorious all the time. I would expect God to be obviously victorious. You know, in 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 when he comes, that it, it's obvious. Like it comes, ruling with an iron fist. Yeah, hmm. think of the with Messiah. Hmm. You know that the Jews, yeah, were expecting to come. It's always seen as a, a battle, defeat. Yeah. defeat. It's obvious, yeah. obviously. See, we were obvious writing. victory. Yeah, yeah. And if we get on board with this we're going to be- Yeah, hence, eg-
0: hence the counterintuitive well, element well, of the Christian faith.
2: The way it seems like God works is like, he will be victorious, but it's not in the way that we think. That's right. If you follow God, you're not going to be standing in front of the world as the victor, obvious victor, at least now. It's kind of almost like the counterintuitive nature of it is that
1: you're almost going to be yep. seen as being less rather than more. Can, I, can I pick up on your India example? Because we've gone there a few times yeah. and that whole change, you know, and this is speaking to what Connor was just saying. For me, and this is probably a simplistic way of looking at it too, all these other religions, they're achievement based and that's what changes me. I keep striving to change, to change, to change, and that's what drives me. Whereas with divine revelation of who Christ is, My change is a response to what's already done. Yeah, that's right. It's not an earning what I want to earn, it's actually responding to what's already done. And Mm. so because if I'm striving to do something I'm constantly going to fail which means it's never really going to set me free mm. whereas responding to what God's already done it's done yeah, that's now right. I just want to I just want to be thankful for that and ref- have that reflect in yeah. my life but that only comes as you said before by the sense of divine or special revelation I think you used yeah. the term
0: yeah I I think it's worth saying at this point because we've talked about religions and we've made very general comments yes, about we religions have. Yeah. and I think I think that there is there is some validity to those general comments, particularly about the intuition of the sense of the problem and the distance and and the way that religions go about working towards that. But I, I you know, it is very difficult to be too generalistic about our religions mm. because there are there are key differences, and yet at the same time in my exposure to what i've seen the consistent aspect of it is it is very much bottom up sort of reasoning yeah. and yeah. and i'm i continually come away thinking first of all jesus is the answer to the concerns expressed here everything that they are are striving towards intuitively jesus is their messiah too in 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 the sense of the answer to their deepest Longings and intuitions, and, and and it's not about one religion replacing another. Mm. It's about Jesus mm. being the answer to the problems that are expressed through their particular relig- religious framework or religious language. I mean, Jesus is the answer. That's yeah. the yeah. that's the unique. You know, we're w- we're not supplementing another religion. You know, w- w- with another. And and I think I'd want to lift the message of the gospel above the religions debate. You know Jesus is the answer in a very transcendent and, and all relevant sense, and I think uh, I think it's important for us to be bold about that, to be willing to bring the good news uh, of Jesus in the way that Paul does when he goes into Athens and he's talking to these philosophers and 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 willing to acknowledge uh, that a lot of what they were saying and talking about there was a lot of validity to that. But what does he do he he points to the fact that God has actually done something he points to the resurrection you know that God has raised he has raised Jesus from the dead it's like okay all of your theories is one thing but hey God has actually done something this unknown distant God has actually done something in history and you know he points to that but he does so in such a way as to build on on something there's a sense of conversation in that and and I and this probably comes back to this. Uh, to this point that that we started and maybe we'll finish, you know, maybe we'll finish this because again, this discussion, it's not just about the theory. This is where we actually are living in a world with all sorts of different be- people, less and less, you know, share our belief and our framework. But there are strong elements of truth, not only in what they believe, but in even intuitively within them. And Jesus is the answer to that. And I think we can just assume our People aren't interested in Jesus. Actually, I think we shouldn't assume that. We need to recognize we're increasingly doing cross-cultural mission as Christians now, which means that we need to be conversational, not just telling people, uh, but being conversational Ask them questions about what they believe. Validate the things that are true. You know, share the difference and and what Jesus has done for you and point to the uniqueness of Christ in that. Don't be ashamed. I mean, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. And so let's recognize we're on mission. Let's build bridges. Let's not be combative. Let's not withdraw into our world and just throw stones at everyone. Let's build bridges. God is at work in people's lives before we even get there. They innately, as Paul says, although they knew God, even the atheists, right, they have to really work hard to suppress that. You know, when we go out, we need to recognize that we're never the first one on the scene. God is already at work. He's already stirring in their conscience in some way to a greater or lesser extent. And we need to be bold about the message of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of all who believe. joining us for this episode of Thrive Perspectives. Our hope is that these discussions will challenge you to look at life from a new perspective. You'll find all our resources at the Thrive Today website, thrivetoday.tv. If there's a topic that you'd like us to discuss, please email us. Our email is contact at thrivetoday.tv. Until next time, our prayer is that you will thrive.